this morning, turn with me to John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8. If you're able to this morning, let's stand out of respect for the Word of God. John chapter number 8 this morning. We're continuing our series on stop minding your business and start minding the fathers. And I've been enjoying this series. I hope that you have too. And we're going to continue that this morning. As we look at John chapter number 8, we'll begin reading in verse number 21, and we'll read down to verse number 32. And and the one thing, the desire of my heart this morning as a pastor is is really what the title of the message is, is that what we're about to do and the way we live our lives will please the Father. And that was the one thing that was always on the mind and heart of Jesus was I want only do and always do that which pleases my Father. How many of you want to please the Lord today? I hope that's your heart this morning. And so let's begin reading in verse number 21. The Bible says, Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, now let me stop here for a second, because... Sometimes when we read the Bible, we're kind of starting in the middle of a passage. Notice we're in verse 21. And you're reading things like we just read, and a lot of times we think about, okay, what is is he saying there? You always have to think about who it is that Jesus is talking to, okay? And it actually just said it right there. When Jesus said, I'm going my way, and you shall seek me and shall die in your sins... We know that he's not talking to saved people, right? Okay, so when the Bible says, then said the Jews, Jesus is dealing with people here who have not yet believed on him. Are you with me this morning? We have to understand the Bible this morning, and and, and really, to understand the Word of God, all we need is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God to help us to understand it. So let me read on this morning. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself because he saith, Whither I go, ye cannot come? And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. In other words, I've already told you. You just weren't listening. That's what he's saying. Now let's read on. He says, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world, those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then saith Jesus unto, unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these things, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, 
If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? The truth shall make you free. You know, the one thing you and I need and this world needs, we just need someone to tell us the truth. The truth. There's a lot of people today that are not truth tellers. What you hold in your hand today, the Bible says of itself, thy word is truth. Every last word in your Bible is truth. And what we need to hear this morning is from God and from his word. May God bless. Lord, thank you for this morning. Pray that you bless the word of God. Lord, help me, Lord, to preach a message this morning that would be pleasing to you. May it fall on ears that will please you by listening. May it make its way to a heart this morning that will please you by opening itself to the message, to the truth. And God, may you be pleased as you deal with us that we would respond to the truth. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. The Bible says in one of these Psalms that God delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man But it does say this, that the Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. I asked you just a minute ago, how many of you want to please the Lord? And as far as I could tell, I think either many, if not almost all the hands this morning went up in the auditorium, that I believe all of us want to please our Heavenly Father. I remember when I was a child growing up, I was the youngest of four, and you've heard me tell the story that I was the only boy. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. I liked as a son, now not always did I, did I, I end up doing this, but I liked to please my father. I liked it when my dad was pleased and he, he delighted in the son that he had. There were times I disappointed my father. I regretted those times. I wish I would have never done that. It reminds me of a man that that there was this brilliant young concert pianist who was performing for the very, very first time in public. The audience was so enthralled at the, the beautiful arrangement and the music that flowed from this young uh, musician's disciplined fingers, and the people could hardly take their eyes off of, of this young virtuoso. And as the final note of his piece was played and was fading into the distance, the audience just burst out into applause. Everyone in the place was standing, clapping and cheering, except for one old gentleman that was seated right down front. Everybody was on their feet. One man was sitting down front. The pianist began to walk off the stage, and as he did, you could tell as his head was hanging low and his chest seemingly has dropped a little bit, the stage manager saw 
his countenance, and he, he just couldn't believe it, and he, he, he praised the performance. He told this young man, he says, he said, wow, he said, that was awesome. He said, you did a great job. And the young concert pianist said, it was a failure. He said, what are you talking about? He goes, look back out there. Everybody's standing on their feet. Everybody is still applauding for you. You should go back out there and receive more applause for what you did. And the young man said, he says, you need to look out there. He says, everyone's standing except for the old man in the front row. And he says, well, that's just one man. And the young man said, yes. But he said, the old man is my teacher. You see, he might have pleased everyone there that day, but he failed to please the one that he wanted to please. And I wonder how many times in our lives that we have a desire to please God, but because of the way we live our lives, we really don't please Him the way we should. We learned this lesson this morning about desiring God's approval. The same desire that I believe existed in the heart of Jesus. And can I remind you this morning that yes, he was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. And his heart was, I want to please my father. And let's learn from Jesus this morning, who was all about doing his father's business Instead of us minding our own business and trying to live our lives in such a way that pleases us, let's turn it around this morning and say, you know what, I want to learn what it means to please my Heavenly Father. You do know that if God is pleased with your life, then there's a good chance that others will be pleased with it also. It just seems to work that way. And I want you to see how, first of all, Jesus please the Father with His way. In this world that we live in, and we were talking the other day, some of us were, that there are a lot of people out there that say, listen to me now, they say that all roads lead to heaven. You ever heard that? But the last time I checked the Bible, Jesus said, I am the way. People say, that's pretty narrow. Yeah, it's about that narrow right there. That's God's way. If we want to please the Father, we have to do what Jesus did. We have to do things God's way, and that's what Jesus did, is Jesus did things the Father's way. It was only God's way. And I want you to see this morning the way that the Father was pleased with His Son. I see it, first of all, in the pathway to his world. Now look what the Bible says again in verse number 21. The Bible says, Then said Jesus, notice the word, again unto them. This wasn't the first time that Jesus talked about this way, his way, God's way. And the Bible says he says it unto them again. Now notice what he says to them in verse 21. I go my way. See, it was a godly direction. Jesus' way was God's way. Look at verse number 29 in this same chapter. The Bible says, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things, or I always go the way that pleases him. 
And Jesus is telling them that, listen, the pathway, if you study the life of Christ, here's what you find is, from the cradle to the cross, in other words, from the time Jesus was born into this world until the time that Jesus died on the old rugged cross, Jesus' entire life, the sole direction of it was heavenward and was homeward. Everything that he did, every step that he took was in direct obedience to his Father. Jesus lived his life in a godly direction. Only Jesus could have said these words, follow me, because he knew that as they followed him, that they would be going in a godly direction, that his way was the good way, it was the right way. You see, I find that the pathway to his world is a godly direction, but it's, there was also, Jesus mentions in verse 21, that in spite of the godly way, there is a great divide. Notice what it says in verse 21. He says, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Now notice he's talking about a great divide here. He's actually sharing with them some revelation. He's talking about the doom of those who will reject Jesus Christ. They will reject the gift of God, which is eternal life, through Jesus Christ. You see, there are those that will reject Christ once too often. In the Bible, you can see this in the life of Saul in the Old Testament. Saul rejected, in the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. The Bible says that an evil spirit from the Lord began to trouble Saul. Look, and there's a, there's a real warning in the Word of God that we need to be careful about trifling with the grace of God. Listen, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If we rebel against the grace of God, in other words, if you and I or anyone in this world are to permanently resist the Holy Spirit of God, then Jesus is saying to those people that he will go away and he will return no more. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And as Jesus was sharing this revelation of doom about those that would reject him, notice that the Bible says in verse 22 that the Jews, they did not understand. They said, will he kill himself? Because he saith, whither I go, you cannot come. See, they didn't understand what he was talking about. Now the Bible tells us about those that would reject, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, how? Through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Can I say this morning that if you're here this morning and you have never opened up your heart, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. You've never received the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ, then the Bible says that according to this, that it is through ignorance, it is through the blindness of their hearts. Listen, do not leave here today without the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not push him off. Do not say, listen, I don't want to accept what God has for me. Jesus said in John 3, I say unto thee, except a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, except they be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, when he talks about 
this divide. Listen, this is not something that the Baptists have made up. This is not something that this pastor has made up. The Bible is clear. It talks about there was a rich man who the Bible says that he was in hell and he lifted up his eyes being in torment. And here's what the Bible says. Besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Jesus is describing this rich man in hell and he's saying that his situation is one that is fixed. It's one that is hardened as concrete and that happens at the moment of death. Listen, there is no change possible once the portals of hell, excuse me, once the portals of death are crossed. In other words, that decision, God's given you an opportunity today in this life while there is still time, while the door is open, that if you are here without Christ, that now is the accepted hour. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put off the Lord Jesus Christ one more minute. That's what he's saying to them. See, he's describing the pathway to his world. But notice he's also talking about the passport to his world. Now, certainly, listen, we can't go buy a ticket to heaven. Okay? You think about this. If you could go buy, and listen, I know what man's trying to do. We've got all these these, these billionaires that got more money than they know what to do with, and they just they're, now they're, they're, they're basically trying to make it to where people can get on a plane and fly into outer space just like astronauts do. Uh, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. how pe- If they want to just blow their money, why don't they give it to us? Right? How about this? I can think of a better cause, the cause of Christ. But when I think about this matter of what Jesus is describing. Look at verse 23, because the Bible says, He says unto them, Ye are from beneath. I am from above. See, there's a real difference, a distinction here. He's talking about the need of this passport. Listen, when God created this world, if you go back to the book of Genesis, the first book in your Bible, you find what we call the days of creation, where God in six literal days created everything that's in this world. Man hasn't created anything. Man has destroyed everything God created. But the Bible says in Genesis 1-7, look at the verse, God made, and notice what he made, the firmament. And this firmament divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And the Bible says, and it was so. And I love when you read the Word of God because in the book of Genesis, everything that God created at the end of each one of those days, God says this, and it was good. So God creates this atmosphere, and this atmosphere that He created separates those that love the Lord from those that don't love the Lord. For instance, Listen, whether you're saved this morning or not, whether you're an educated person or not, whether you have Bible knowledge or not, where is God today? Come on, where's he at? He's in heaven. And guess where we are? We're on this earth, right? And Jesus said, ye are from beneath and I am from above. 
God describes this firmament. And listen, when he talks about those of us that love him, here's what it says in Ephesians 2, 6, that he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you know that even though you're on this earth, if you are in Christ, if you are saved today, that according to the word of God, you are already seated in heavenly places. Isn't that awesome? That's better than the seat you're sitting in right now. We're already seated in heavenly places. Those who are saved are made to sit in heavenly places, but it is not so with those that are lost, those that are unsaved. Look what it says in verse 23 again. He says, you're from beneath, I am from above. Watch this. You're of this world. I am not of this world. See, the Lord was from, from heaven. He says, you're from the earth, I'm from heaven. Jesus said in John 3, look, he that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. Jesus is talking about this matter of his world, and he's talking about the fact that if you want to go to my world, if you want to be in heaven with me someday, he says there needs to be a new allegiance in your life. In other words, if you want to be with me, then he says you need the passport to go to my world. Now, what is the passport? I mentioned it earlier in John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. See, he's talking about the need of the passport. Now, let's talk about what is the nature of this passport. Here it is. Pretty simple. Look at verse 24. I said, therefore, unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not. Now, look at this. What is he saying? What is it that they would not believe? That I am he. So, clearly, Jesus is saying that the passport to heaven is clear. Can I tell you this morning? Here it is. Don't miss it. Most important part of the message. The passport to heaven is Jesus. He says, if you don't believe that I am he, he says, then you cannot go with me. He alone came to save men and women from their sins. Sin is something that has ruined this world. Sin has wrecked this world. But if we believe in him, if we, if we put our faith in him, it opens the door for us to heaven. I love when you study the word of God because look back in verse number 24, and I want you to see this. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Do you see the word he in that verse? Everybody see it? You see it in your Bible. Don't look at me. Look in your Bible. Is it italicized in your Bible? Everybody see that? Now, when you look at that, in other words, and, and I, I was explaining this to somebody the other day. This is, your, this, is, this is the part of the message, but this is your education for this morning, all right? Now, watch this. You're in school. The word he, if you look in the original language, which God gave his original language in the New Testament of our Bible was a Greek language. When God gave his word in this language, the word he, if you look at it, and I have a copy of it in my office. By the way, if you look at it, it's all Greek. Okay? The word he is not in it. Say, well, then why is the word he in our Bible? Because when you go from one language to another, oftentimes 
In other words, to convey the meaning of what was there into the next language, sometimes you have to use words to convey it. For instance, some of you know Spanish. I don't have the gift of tongues. I don't know that language. But I have been around some folks that do know how to speak Spanish, and I've noticed that when it comes to going from Spanish to English or English to Spanish, that sometimes they'll say a whole lot more words than what I just said. I'm like, wait a minute, I don't know what you just said, but I didn't say all that. Right? You with me? You understand what I'm saying? And the same thing is true from English to Spanish. So listen, I'm going to tell you what you're holding in your hand this morning, the Word of God, that it is God's Word. It's inerrant. There is no errors in the Word of God. There are no mistakes in the Word of God. Not one thing is wrong with the Word of God this morning. So say, why in the world would there be the word he italicized in my Bible if it wasn't in the original? Can I tell you this morning that if I was going to, and I never would do this, but if I was going to tamper with the Word of God, I wouldn't draw attention to it by italicizing it. I would just leave it like all the other words. See, that's how much they kept the truth of the Word of God is, yes, they italicized it. Now, what we need to say is, then why is it there? Because it is talking about Jesus. Jesus is saying that I am He. Well, if you, if you know that reference, the two words, I am. Whew, what a packed statement right there. Because if you go back to the Old Testament and you go all through the New Testament, Jesus is the I am. And that's what he's saying to these, listen, Jews in John 8. He says, if you really knew who you were talking to and you believed that I am who I am, that I say I am, he says, then you'll be with me. He says, heaven will be your home. But because you will not open your eyes and you will not open your hearts, Jesus was claiming that he is the I am of the Old Testament. The Bible says, look at John 8 in the same chapter in verse 58. Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, or truly, truly, he says, there is no doubt that I say unto you before Abraham was, what's those two words? Boy, that blew them. I mean, they're like, wait a minute, Abraham is dead and gone. He's been gone for a long time. You're standing right here. There is no possible way that you came before Abraham, and they've got it all wrong because they're talking to the God-man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is eternally existent. Jesus did not begin in Bethlehem's manger. He has always been, and he always will be. And he's talking to them this morning in this passage. And because of the, his statement and his bold claim, they still refuse to believe his claim that he was God. Can I tell you this morning, just like Jesus was saying to these Jews, until we get to the place that we call him God, we have missed the mark. We are still without the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have a passport which again, a passport is not a piece of paper. It's not some ticket. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We can never go to heaven. And that's what we see this morning is Jesus pleased the Father with his way. But notice secondly, Jesus pleased the Father with his words. The statement that Jesus made, whoo, it provoked those Jews. They didn't like to hear it. You ever told the truth to somebody and they didn't like it? Yeah, the truth sometimes hurts, doesn't it? I remember when somebody told me the truth one time, I got mad. I know that's hard for you to believe. I got upset. When Jesus made this statement, it immediately 
provoked a skeptical response. You know, listen, I've talked to a lot of people over the years, even family members, and I've tried to tell them, except you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot be saved. And people say, I don't like that. I don't want to hear that. I don't believe that. Look what the Bible says in this passage in verse 25. Then said, Jesus, then said they unto him, who art thou? I mean, they're asking him, well, then who are you? And I want you to see the words that he says to them, first of all, about his father. I mean, after all the miracles and all the teaching that Jesus did with such great authority, never a man spake like this man. How disrespectful were they to him this day when they challenge him and say, listen, we haven't seen enough. You haven't done enough. Give us more proof of who you are. So here's what he does. He refers them to his previous testimony. Look at verse 25 again. He says, even the same, when they said, who are you? He says, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I mean, they're scratching their heads now. That doesn't tell us anything. He says, listen, I've already told you, and I told you before, and you haven't believed it. Why are you going to believe it now? Jesus here is talking to them, and he's talking about his previous testimony. He tells them that he still has much to say to them, especially in this area of judgment. By the way, those who are without Christ are already condemned in their sin. That's what the Bible says. When we look at this, Jesus was declaring that every man in this world has an essential need to believe that he is who he says he is, that he is the I am. Jesus was saying to them that my person, who I am, is my teaching. The things that I have done, the miracles that I have performed, they have validated, they are proof of who I really am. He shares his previous testimony, but then he shares his present testimony. He says, look, there are some things that I just cannot unveil to you. Look at verse 26. He says, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak of the world uh, to the world those things which I have heard of him. He's talking to them here about things that, that, again, he would like to reveal to them. What has he revealed to them up to this point? Here, listen, here's what he has revealed, that he is Jesus Christ, that he is the I am. He has revealed that. Now, listen, he is also going to continue to reveal who he is, but notice something different is he's also, along with that, going to reveal to them who they really are. This is where they don't like what they're going to hear because he's going to tell them the truth. Can I tell you again this morning that if you are here without Christ, that you've never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then according to the word of God, not according to me, according to God's word this morning, you are a sinner and you are bound for a place that is a Christless eternity the Bible calls hell. But here's the good news is God's not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Matter of fact, the Bible says that God prepared it for the devil and his angels. God didn't prepare hell for you. See, people choose to reject God. That's what these people were doing this morning. And Jesus said, look, I'm going to tell you the truth, and I realize it may not be popular. And we're living in a day where the truth is not popular. Can I tell you, it's never been. You see, the truth is still the truth, whether we like it or not. But the truth, as Jesus was sharing with them this, in this passage, is he's saying to them, listen, I just want you to understand something, that the truth did not originate with me. The truth originated with my Father. He says, the things that I have heard from him, the things that I have seen, 
That is what I'm sharing with you. And there were some things that he could not unveil, and there were some things that they could not understand. Look at verse 27. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. They didn't get it. By the way, these are unsaved people. Can you look in the Bible sometimes? I remember one time I was reading in a passage where it says that Jesus began to teach his disciples something, and then he asked them this question. He says, do you understand what I've said to you? And here's what his disciples said. These spiritual giants of men said, yea, Lord. They didn't have a clue. And these people in this passage, Jesus was teaching them, and he, look, they did not understand that he was talking to them about the Father. They didn't want to believe that Jesus was God. Their unbelief, look, we know, we know the rest of the story, right? That their unbelief caused them to be a part of the greatest crime of all of humanity because they became a part of that mob that would crucify the Son of God. And I see this this morning that Jesus, he, not listen, not them, not us at times, he pleased the Father with his words, but notice he, he spoke about his Father, and secondly, he spoke about his future. He told them about what the cross meant and what the cross reveals. Look at verse 28, when they didn't understand that he spake to them of the Father, then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know. Now they didn't get it, what he was saying before them, and now Jesus says, when you've lifted me up. I mean, they, they're, they're trying to think through this because Jesus says to them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am, look at it again in verse 28, ye shall know that I am, see the word he, is it italicized it again? Everybody see it in verse 28? Again, Jesus is saying, that I am the I am. And he's saying that the cross, when you've lifted me up, when you see me on that hill, when you see me hanging between those two thieves, he says, listen, the time will come that if you don't believe now, you will know then that I am who I say I am. The Bible says in Matthew 27, look at it. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all of the land. Under the ninth hour, behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. From the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose look what mark writes when the centurion which stood over against him he's there at calvary and the centurion is beholding jesus and all that is happening and the rocks are renting. He saw all of this and he cried out. And he said, truly this man was the son of God. Luke 23, all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things which were done, they smote their breast and they returned. Folks, listen, all of that, and many more things happened. It was a terrible crime against heaven and earth that day. But listen, can I tell you that as you think about this, that for many of them it was not enough. And to all of that, he added that up from the grave he arose. Three days later, the Bible says that Jesus rose. Paul writes in, in the, uh, those in Corinth, he says, I delivered unto you first of all 
that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. And with all of that proof and with all of that evidence, listen, the authorities of the day still refused to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. Can I tell you, there are still many in the world today that still do not believe that Jesus is God. You see, folks, that's where it all begins. Stood on a doorstep at a house yesterday, and I, I, I talked to a sweet elderly lady named Helen. And I began to ask her. I said, Helen, who do you believe Jesus is? And just like these people in this passage in John 8, she began to tell me about all these good things about Jesus. But she would not admit that Jesus was God. It's sad. So many today will not believe that he is who he said he is. And I see Jesus here pleasing the Father because he's He's talking, he's sharing words with them about his father, but he's telling them about his future. And I want you to see that he not only told them about what the cross revealed, but then he explains to them what the Christ reveals. When he says, I am, he says, I am the I am. I'm the one that you've been waiting for. He says, I'm the Messiah. He says, listen, I'm the Christ. The Christ revealed to them that the son was absolutely dependent on, upon the Father. Now we think to ourselves, but he was God, but he was man. Listen, we've got to take all of it into view this morning. Look at verse 28. Jesus said unto them, ye have lifted, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am he. And look here, here's the dependence, that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Jesus learned, listen, just like we should learn. He learned directly from the Father. There was an unbroken communion uh, that, that was between the Father and the Son. And as God, listen, Jesus as God, he never did anything less than God. And as a human, Jesus never did anything more than human. Jesus in his life was at the disposal of God at all times, in all places, under all circumstances. And he said this, and listen, what a lesson we can learn this morning. I can do nothing of myself. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. See, in our lives, we are utterly dependent on the Father, just like Jesus was. And when Jesus made that statement about depending on the Father, listen, he was not defining his deity because Jesus never ceased to be God. What he was defining that day to them was his humanity, that he was man as, he, as much as he was God. And so he revealed as the Christ that he was utterly and absolutely dependent on his Father. But then notice he also revealed the Father's abundant delight in the Son. And this is where our passage gets to the point of the message this morning is the fact that the Father delighted in the Son. Look at verse 29. The Bible says, and, he says, I want to add to that, he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. See, there was never a moment in Jesus' life where Jesus did not, listen, he always brought joy and delight to his father's heart. Everything Jesus did, 
he pleased his father. He says, that's the only thing I ever want to do is please my heavenly father. And I love because the Bible indicates that not only was that his heart's desire, but it was something that was true because one of the times in the Bible when Jesus went to John to be baptized in the Jordan, God the Father made a statement, and here's what it says in Matthew 3, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He says, listen, he's been a good boy. I won't tell you who it is, but there's a man in this room this morning. He, he has many siblings, and I don't know anything about his siblings, but I'll tell you this. He told me last week, he said, he said I took my mom and dad for their anniversary to Hawaii. I bet you wish you had him for a son. I never did that for my mom and dad. I guarantee you, his father was pleased. Who wouldn't be pleased with Hawaii, right? Can I tell you this morning, that's the way we need to be in our lives is we need to live a life that is pleasing to our father. Jesus lived his life to please the father. And he did that. He pleased the father with his way. He pleased the father with his words. But notice he also pleased his father with his witness. And I want you to see a couple things about his witness because I see, first of all, that his witness was a witness of the fact that what there needs to be is an easy profession of faith. Look at verse number 30. And as he spake these words, look at this, many believed on him. Now, I'm going to stop here for just a second, and I'm going to get you to understand because this matter of belief, okay, putting our faith in Christ. See, the truth is, Everyone believes in something or someone. Everyone. And when we study the Word of God, we find that the Bible says here that Jesus was convincing to many that day. I mean, there were some that put their faith in Him. The Bible says in Acts chapter number eight, verse uh, excuse me, Acts sixteen, verse thirty-one. The Bible says, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved." Notice it didn't say. Uh, be a member of Bible Baptist Church. It doesn't say uh, live a good life. It doesn't say give a bunch of money. The Bible says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Him. Believe that He is God, that He died for your sins, that He rose from the dead, that He's with the Father today, interceding for us today. Listen, the Bible says believe on Him and thou shalt be saved. See, I find here that Jesus witnessed about this matter, there needs to be a profession of faith. But notice, his witness was also the fact of there needs to be an essential proof of faith. A proof of faith. Now, look at, look at the passage again. Verse 30, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Look at verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews, notice the wording, which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then, here's the proof. Are ye my disciples indeed? Now the Lord's remark here indicates, don't miss this, it indicates that some, and there is a difference what I'm about to say, some believed him, but not all believed on him. See, before I got saved, I believed there was a God. See, I had a head knowledge. 
I believe that something created, there was something out there, just like many in the world today, they believe that there is some greater being. And the Bible indicates here that Jesus said, there are some of you here today that believed me, but you not all have put your faith in me. He was very gracious to them. Jesus acknowledged the belief that they had, but it was a feeble, it was a small faith that they had. See, they needed to fully trust him. They needed to not just trust his claims and in, in who he said he was. They needed to believe on him that he was the Son of God. The essential proof of genuine saving faith would be the evidence of the fact that if they believed on him, put their faith in him, that they would continue in his work. There are people who make professions. They, they claim to believe uh, God, but you never see them in the house of God. You never see them serving God. You never see them reading their Bible. You never see them praying because they haven't believed in him. They're not trusting in him. They're trusting the claims. They're trusting in uh, the knowledge that they have. And the Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. See, the teachings of Jesus, it should become our rule of faith and practice. See, when somebody says, listen, why do you do what you do? You know where I take them? To the Word of God. By the way, let me remind you this morning, Jesus is the Word of God. He's the Lagos. Jesus said there needs to be a profession of faith, and the proof of that profession is, is that, listen, if you have believed on me, then you're going to continue in my Word. But don't miss the last part. He, he talks about the witness of an emancipating practice of faith, because look at verse 32. He says that if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And what's the truth going to do for you? It's going to set you free. Now, when I look at this, here's what I see is that the Bible talks about this matter of our faith. If you've been truly born again and you are saved today, Paul writes to those in Rome and he says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under what? Grace. Are you saved this morning by the grace of God? Jesus said, listen, if you do not have me, if you have not put your faith in me, folks, it's so simple this morning. Jesus only did those things which pleased his father. It was, it was his way, and it was his words, and it was his witness that pleased his father. The Bible says, whatsoever ye ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Does your life this morning please the father? Can God see this morning what your heart looks like? I wonder if I was going to take the time, and this is a pretty poor illustration, but this is my mirror this morning. Can you see some imagery in this? That's not like a normal mirror, may not be as clear. And the reason it's not as clear is because some of you need glasses and you don't have them on. But if you were looking in this mirror, you would see a reflection of yourself. Let me ask you, if you're looking in the mirror and you see a reflection, you can only see what's on the outside. 
You can't really see what's on the inside, can you? And see, a lot of times we think, well, I look pretty good. I'm doing okay. You know, but see, God sees things different than we do. The Bible is likened to a mirror, that when we look into the perfect law of liberty, that we see things in our lives. And, and when you think about this mirror, I mean, it's, it's kind of like this. I mean, if, if you take this, this was an expensive mirror. I, my wife didn't mind me messing with this mirror, but if I take this mirror and I kind of mess with it, like my kids always mess with our stuff, you know, and I take this mirror and I'm, I may have utterly broken it now, I don't know. And if I was to take this mirror Oh, now I did it. Can you see your reflection now? You see, that's what God sees. You see, the, the polished look that we see on the outside, that's not what Jesus saw when he was talking to those Jews when he was trying to help them understand. That instead of looking at yourself and fooling yourself, he says, you need to see me for who I am. You see, a lot of people live their lives thinking, I'm okay. But God looks on the heart. God sees the inside. You see, the mirror is just an instrument. We use it sometimes to see, but God sees who we really are. If you want to please the Lord today, how do you please him? By coming to him by faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Look at the verse. For he that cometh to God must believe. Here it is, just what Jesus said in John 8. You must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed this morning, I wonder, is your life pleasing to God today? Nobody can answer that question except for you. Not even your spouse. Do your ways please the Lord? Jesus's did. Do your words please the Lord? How about your witness? If you're here this morning without Christ, you've heard, you've heard more scripture today than most people have heard in a lifetime. And God's given you an opportunity today to put your faith in him. Isn't that sad that Jesus told those people in John 8? He says, where I go, you cannot come because you're still in your sins. Do you know how you can change that? Believe that he is who he said he is. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Look in the mirror and see yourself for who you really are. And come to Jesus by faith. Lord, I pray that you bless the invitation. Lord, as you're speaking to hearts this morning, may they respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.